Hello and welcome to Design Your Legacy, the podcast where we have inspiring conversations about life, legacy and jewellery. I'm Rosanna, your host and founder of Rosanna Croft Jewellery, a bespoke fine jewellery company. Today's guest is Joe McFarlane, someone I had the absolute pleasure of meeting recently and learning more about her wonderful journey and luxury candle business, I had to get her on the podcast. I'm also reading her book, Ask and Act, which tells us stories of her journey that give a valuable insight into spirituality mixed with business. You're going to love this podcast and her advice at the end isn't for the faint-hearted, but I wholeheartedly agree. Enjoy. Hi Jo, thank you so much for agreeing to come on uh, the podcast and have a chat with me. I know we only met last week, but I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks so much um, for having me. It was a, a pleasure meeting you last week and yeah, I'm really excited. Fab, awesome. So I'll start by just asking you if you can introduce yourself by talking a bit about your current role in life and why you do it. Um, oh gosh, um, so my current role, I would probably say I was a creator, probably in teacher, um, apart from wife and mother, um, obviously. I'm definitely a um, a serial creator and um, that's kind of currently come in the form of my candle business which was originally created from my kitchen table and has now grown uh, to a business where I create candles for luxury hotels across Scotland and um, London. I run in-person workshops when, <laughs> uh, when we can and um, run online uh, workshops for people as well. Amazing I mean I've I've been browsing your website and I I wish I lived closer because I'd love to come and do one of your um, workshops. But you've managed to you've managed to take it all online in the last year, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so when when lockdown happened, I already had one course online, which was the build your own candle business because I found that people were coming, you know. Uh, to a couple of the workshops they were coming to the beginners then the advanced workshop and actually they were like do you know what I'd love to know how to start a business from my kitchen table like you have so I was like okay just wait (laughs) you know I'll develop this um you know this course and I was actually in London at the best you expo I think in the February and I was so inspired by a lot of the speakers there and I thought do you know what this is possible I can put this business online and on the train on the way home I just spent the whole time writing and creating and thinking okay you know let's get this um build a business uh, from your kitchen table so that was already online and I thought okay the platform can hold another couple of courses let's put the beginners and the advanced on there as well so literally the first week of lockdown I was filming in my kitchen (laughs) with my you know my makeshift equipment but I think it's it's relatable you know when people watch the videos they think okay she's not got technical equipment she can just uh, you know it gives the people the confidence to just create in their own kitchen you know yeah yeah it's almost like you know you said you created this from the kitchen table and now you've brought it back or you know I don't yeah, I don't believe yeah. you've ever left the kitchen table you know no, it's like exactly which I think is fabulous and it's so achievable for everybody um and it you know it, it kind of it makes people realize that it all can be done um so you're also because you very kindly sent me your book you're also an author do you want to 
just tell us a little bit about your book and um, and what you because I know that you've written it to help inspire people. Yeah, I mean, it does say it's for entrepreneurs, but actually, it's really it's it's really for everyone and and mostly women to to empower them. And I, I found myself sort of gathering lots of stories and ideas and. You know, from my, I used to be a long haul air hostess and there's some stories in there, some relating to kind of women's safety while you're you're traveling overseas and funny stories as well, and, um, <laughs> you know, from, from being an air hostess. But yeah, I had lots of stories in my head and I just really wanted that to sort of be a culmination of everything, you know, from business tips to, to make sure that, not make sure people don't make an error, but you know, to kind of save them the yeah. the embarrassment or um so yeah, it was a culmination of all the different things. And actually I met the book editor, you know, and I just knew that she was the right person that she could bring it to life. Yeah. And help me do that. So yeah. well it's yeah. amazing. I'm chapter in and I'm I mean I, I don't know, it's like I'm sat just listening to you um like we're sat on the sofa having a cup of coffee it's it's like it's written in a really nice way and I've I've I'm just I've some ch- a chapter in I'm not going to give it away but I'm I'm really really enjoying it so I would recommend anybody to just pick it up and have a read it's a very easy read but I can see it's going to give lots and lots of value it's amazing so can you just mentioned you were an air you used to be a long haul air hostess can you tell us a bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today uh, from the air hostess. Yeah, go for from it. Or from, or, yeah. from, or from from when you're a, a wee baby. <laughs> yeah, so I've always been a creator. Like I talked about being a creator and I've always had this like serial urge to like create, whether it was painting or creating jewellery. Um, I was brought up um, a few steps from the beach. So I used to paint stones and sell them. Wow. It was almost like this <laughs> entrepreneurial urge to make and sell has been with me my whole life and when I left um, school I thought I should probably go into art so I did um, I got into um, art college I didn't go I got offered a job in advertising um, at the same time so I thought I'll I'll take the job take the money (laughs) take the money you know because it was it was where I had intended to be and um, then the recession hit and I ended up being offered a flying job. You know, a friend said, look, just turn up for the interview and, you know, you'll have the job. So actually, I ended up in flying by accident, you know. And 16 years later, it is such an amazing job to have. You know, I never thought of it as a job, you know, jaunting around the world to Hong Kong and Buenos Aires and being on safari and skydiving and swimming with dolphins, you know. And getting paid for it at the same time, it was like, this is just the dream dream life, you know. And then, you know, we thought about starting a family and I had seen a lot of the heartache from fellow cabin crew members when we had been at a destination, say, I don't know, over Christmas or New Year. And of course, like I wasn't married or um, I was single at the time. And if the aircraft broke that was coming in to collect you, like, you know, needed a repair, perhaps you could be there for another 10 days another week mm. you know while the park got shipped out to replace it if you were at a destination that there was only like one flight a week so of course you were just like woohoo <laughs> let's go back <laughs> let's go and party or let's go back to that shop and buy that dress I was thinking about and 
you know, and then, of course, there was the mothers who were perhaps missing their child's second birthday oh. or they were missing, you know, really important events um, relating to their children, their Christmas play, etc. And I saw a lot of that and I knew I didn't want that when I had oh. a child. I thought, um, you know, I don't want that. Um, my parents travelled a lot when I was younger and um, my dad was in the Navy and my mum used to spend long periods of time with him. Um, while I stayed at home uh, with my auntie and I didn't want that for my own child you know no so so being grounded and being here um, was really important when uh, when my son came along yeah amazing and then you so so then how did you begin um, your luxury candle empire (laughs) Um, purely by accident filling some candles um you know, one Christmas and I bought some ingredients that I subsequently found out that weren't particularly nice. And I still have the vessel now, actually. It was an old crab tree in Evelyn, beautiful red cut glass, stunning vessel. And that was the the vessel where it all began. And I still have it now. Yeah. And it just grew and um, started selling. Then the local hotel, the Fairmont here in St Andrews, approached me and said, could you create us a couple of hundred and I was like sure (laughs) so this is like you know still on my kitchen table and and people you know um people who are in my ignite tribe and on the business course now will say I need all this equipment I need all this before it happens I said no do you know what you can you can go for a couple of years you know pouring um out of a small kitchen jug yeah um you know if you've got the passion and you know to do it Oh, that's amazing. So so when the Fairmont approached you then, did you kind of just jump at it and say, yeah, absolutely, I can do it? Or were there any? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and I was just like, okay, let's figure it out. (laughs) Figure it out as we go along. (laughs) Figure it out. And, you know, you do have to be careful. I'm a very kind of spiritual person as well. You do. It's true. You know, be careful what you ask for. And yeah one day well I was I subscribed to Birchbox the um oh yeah the, the subscript the lovely little box that comes through your door and um I subscribed to them and I thought gosh one of my candles would look gorgeous in one of those emailed them and um they said oh yes we love your candles please can you quote us on 10,000 and at the time this was like years ago and I was like <laughs> of course I can you know like it took me days to work out you know I'm going to need a few more kitchen jokes (laughs) exactly you know so yeah so the business is actually is it's grown organically and it's grown at my I would honestly say at my customers desires really that's amazing because I think in business we're often encouraged to set out and set audacious goals which we all do and we all decide we'd like to you know see jewelry in Harrods or something similar but I think it's interesting and I once had an opportunity to pitch to Selfridges as part of a competition with Enterprise Nation, actually. And I mean, I was so afraid of this. But the one thing they said was, you you know, just like be prepared because you're going to need it, it. Say that this goes really well. You're going to need the capacity to make fulfill their orders. And I think that's the one thing that really held me back and stopped me because I was, I don't have the capacity. I literally hand make everything myself in my little workshop in Bakewell. So I think that held me back from really going for it. But here you did it 
the opposite way and kind of and I think I think that's probably the way we should be encouraged to grow is grow slowly organically and you know it I don't know if it's if if it's meant to be it'll be but I think if you really have the the faith then it'll happen and you don't need to go out and necessarily prepare and and talk to manufacturers and stuff like that oh yeah I mean I you know I didn't have a business plan I didn't have (laughs) I nothing like that really nothing like that and you know, and I think if you if you listen to, you know, like Sarah Blakely of Spanx, yeah. you know, you just have to listen to her. And it's just like you just create it as you go. You think, OK, I need this product or I want, you know, create it as you go. And um, but I think, you know, like my business has developed in in ways that I had never expected. You know, it's not like I've sat down and said, OK, I want X, Y and Z. You know, the customers have driven it. The customers yeah. have said, we would love to create our own candles. Can you show us how to make them? Sure, come come to my kitchen table, yeah. you know, and we'll run workshops. And, and I ran a kind of mock workshop for some friends um, to work out all my timings. And because I think when you're a maker, you know how long something would take you. But like if I came to your studio and you said, okay, like pick up the such and such tool, I'd be like, what, what is that? You know, it'd be like a cow, you know, like trying, you know, yeah, yeah. In a china shop type thing. So you have to kind of account for some people being really creative and know what they're doing. And then other people never having made something in their life before. You know, I've had people come to the studio who literally never made anything. Yeah. And so I had four friends, they came to the workshop at my kitchen table, sorry, we ran a mock workshop and I timed it all and um yeah and then took it kind of took it live and then it it grew to the studio and then we would run lots of workshops and then people were wanting to know well how do you color a candle how do you make diffusers how do you make an embed mode candle and I was like, okay, the advanced is coming yeah. soon. And like, when is the advanced coming? Okay, it'll come in the next six months. And I was like beavering away, like developing it all. So it's been very much customer driven, you know. And of yeah. course now everything's on, um, it's all online now. And um, yeah. It's really refreshing to hear, I think, because I mean, I'm a member of a lot of business groups. I was supported originally by the Princess Trust and they, ask you to set out a business plan um, which I did and I mean I I loved that I really enjoyed it and I I wonder if it's because I was learning but in my own way but how you're encouraged to start a business is I, I don't think it's necessarily realistic you know have your five year goals have your cash flow forecast I think it's very very important to know where you are and where you want to go but it's not always necessary and sometimes it's just a bit of procrastination rather than just getting on with it but I think it's really refreshing to hear how how you grew your kitchen table business. So have there been any kind of pivotal moments in your life or career that you think have played a massive part into where you've kind of where you are now? Obviously lockdown has um, helped you, encouraged you to go online um, but any other pivotal moments gosh I'm not sure I think um 
I think I'm the kind of person that just is open to opportunity and and think what happens is is right for you at that time, you know. And I kind of I embrace change. I love I love change. I love that. Um, when people talk about balance, you know, like having your life balanced, I I kind of see it as a a kind of stagnant thing. I think balance is like a stagnation. So I like to be constantly creating and thrive I thrive off of change you know I love I think that's why I used to love flying quite a lot is because I was in a different city a couple of times a week but no I'm always open to to pivoting and changing and you know the business will probably by the end well I'd say probably it is going to look very different by the end of the the year yeah because my studio has now been closed um pretty much since last March so um, the business is going to look very different yeah. so that so that I can offer more to my customers you know yeah. it's all about serving people and and now I've touched people across the globe you know which I hadn't anticipated before um so that really I'm, nice I'm feeling oh it's lovely and to to just be helping other women start a business and you know create something out of nothing um you know that's pretty special so I'm always open you know I'm always open to opportunity um for change yeah. I love it amazing <laughs> right yeah yeah I think I'm quite similar I'll say yes to any opportunity if I think it's right and I guess that always leads you I don't know down the path that you're supposed to go on uh, yeah, poten- yeah. potentially definitely yeah it's interesting actually I don't have it on today but I have a a lovely necklace that was given to uh given to me by a a dear friend that um, passed away last year but it's um I think it is a poem or saying about I took the road that was less traveled oh yeah yeah and um it's inscribed with that and it is I think you know you, you have to just be you don't know who you're going to meet and it's no. like chance conversations and lead you to the most amazing things you know yeah I agree I completely agree so I believe that we all leave a legacy and whether we realize it or not and I think uh, I think you may believe a similar thing what does legacy mean to you do you know I heard it a couple of years ago actually and I think that probably was a little bit of a push to get my book published yeah um because then that's there that's a legacy to to help you know to help other people I think as well probably having everybody all the hundreds of people that have come through my workshops and people that are now on the the candle business courses I believe that that's kind of creating a legacy because yeah. it's given them a, a different future than they anticipated yeah. and now it's kind of filtering out <laughs> throughout the whole world yeah. and that to me is really important you know yeah it's not for me it's not for me you know I think a legacy isn't for me it's giving other people an opportunity and whether they remember my name or not it doesn't really matter <laughs> doesn't so matter. you know they'd yeah. be like oh I listened to that person or I did her course like x it's almost like a catalyst yeah um you know sometimes it could be like something like when I listened to the lady you know at the best you expo I was like okay she was the catalyst to really my whole business course going online and you know yeah yeah that's amazing because what what I'm kind of 
hearing when I speak to all you fabulous women is that legacy isn't, it's not about us. It's about the people whose lives we affect. And that is the legacy. It's that if we help one person and they can help one person and your story can just encourage somebody to pick up some wax and make a beautiful candle and then you know that's the start of their legacy and then that passes down or lace up you know like um I was I'm Archie and I are doing a thousand mile um well it's only a walking challenge so but there was a lady on the other day and she said I just don't know where to start and I said you know if you just lace up your boots just put your boots on and lace them up that's it that's all you need to do because the rest will take care of itself you know yeah and you know sometimes it's that you know that's that tiny little action isn't it that that's Ta- like the little butterfly little, effect exactly tiny little action can have can have so much impact yeah so yeah. much impact and worldwide as is in your case um so well my next question for you is what do you want your legacy to be and how do you intend to leave it but I think you've I think you've kind of covered that unless you want to add anything else. No, I think you're right. I think it's just creating something for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Creating, you know, looking after other people. And, you know, I've loved that since, you know, my air host day, you know, air hostess yeah. days. And yeah, it's just it's giving somebody something that they never thought they could have, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And then, I mean, you've already mentioned um, a necklace that was given to you, but I believe that we carry part of our legacy in the jewellery that we wear, in the jewellery that we own, the jewellery that we're given. I think the jewel, like jewellery, like your clothes, like your personality, um, they're things that we wear every day. They're things that how we'll be remembered. Like I always uh, remember, well, I was going to say, I always remember the jewellery my mum wears. That's because I made most of it. Um, <laughs> Um, but can oh she's I don't she's got um she's got the first ever jewelry I ever the first set of jewelry I ever made and it is oh wow oh no no (laughs) you would say oh wow you'd say how have you got from there to there (laughs) but um um, so but can you can you talk to me about some special piece of jewelry that you own and and like What's your most memorable piece of jewellery? Do you know, I actually, um, I'm not really sure I'm a, a jewellery person. Um, the couple of pieces that I do have are probably quite, like I don't have like a big family that has pieces passed down. You know, I have my grandmother's wedding ring and my mum's wedding ring, but I don't have, you know, great yeah. aunt, aunt Agatha's, you know, <laughs> or, you know, earrings or yeah. I don't really have that. And um, yeah, the couple of pieces that I do have, I bought, I bought a piece for myself last year, which was yeah. second hand. And it's, um, do you pronounce it? Is it Baccarat? Baccarat? The, the French? I'm no good with French pronunciation. B-A-C-C-A-R-A-T. So it's a crystal ring. It's a huge, big, um, I actually don't have it on today. It's huge, big crystal, gorgeous. Just It's just like glass. Like it yeah. doesn't have any setting. It's just like molded glass. So I have that and I love that. And um, my husband brought some heart diamonds back from Oof. South Africa once, which... Wow. 
I was like, I'm not really sure what to do with heart, like three hearts, you know. I didn't really know what to do anyway. So they sat in a box for years. I'm talking probably 10 years. And I have a um, friend in the next village who's a jeweler, um, Catherine Williamson. And I said to Catherine, can you create this? And I think I'd spent a lot of time on Pinterest. So it's actually two Perspex discs. So they're sort of held together. They're loose. So the three diamonds just around and it's encased with silver. So it almost looks like a little, almost looks like a sort of watch face. Yeah. It's kind of clear on both sides. So that's probably the most memorable piece that I have. That's lovely. Because in that, there are so many, you know, I guess, connections in that your husband bought you the rings from South Africa, uh, rings, the diamonds, um, the fact that they're a heart shape, heart shape is really romantic. <laughs> um, yeah. And then your friend made it, which is lovely. Yeah, I mean, the first time she made it and then I actually, I wore it in the shower and it has like a hole at the top and all the water got in the perspex. Oh, no. So we had to have it remade, but... Um, you know, apart from that, um, yeah, I'll probably be sending, you know, I've got bits and pieces that I've probably had, you know, that I was given on my 18s, you know, that are probably just not what I would wear now. Yeah, so yeah. I'll probably be winging you some bits of jewellery to, to remodel, you know, because it's a shame because they just, you know. Yeah. Well, this is it. Like, I think it's such a shame when jewellery isn't worn and, you know, pieces for your 18th and that you were given a long time ago, they still carry so much sentiment and memory and connection to a younger, you know, a different time of your life and a different chapter. But when they're not worn, it's, Mm. I I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be that lady who wears all my jewellery all the time. (laughs) Um, and in fact, you know what? I've not put my rings on this morning. So I i mean, my hands feel naked. You feel really strange. You feel really strange. So, I mean, I, I yeah, I just I have a, a vision of myself sat drinking, you know, 80 years old, sat drinking champagne in some, in, in some dark romantic bar on my own, just covered in diamonds. <laughs> oh dear you want to be careful what you wish for don't you Um, exactly you've not got to that part in my book yet (laughs) no I know so Joe. lastly my final question for you this has been an amazing conversation but is what advice can you give to other people and women um about living a meaningful life and leaving a legacy Oh, well, do you know, I think everybody has something in their mind, in their head that they haven't done yet, that they should do, you know, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, you know, I think everybody should write a book. I think everybody should run a marathon, you know, not not so much for just, oh, because I ran a marathon. I think it's because of the journey. Mm-hmm. I think um, the journey that you put your that you know that your body's capable of so so one physically capable of and then I think we are capable of so much more than really what we give ourselves credit for and I just when people get older they just think I I want them to have no regrets I think Mm -hmm. just do it just make that phone call just book that holiday you know yeah life life is so short and yeah I would just say just 
just do what you've always wanted to do yeah yeah I think that's fascinating advising everyone to run a marathon and I can vouch for what you've said in that when (laughs) when whenever I we set goals we we set goals we have an envision in mind and you know how, how how do we get there when I have a vision and when I have a goal and I don't know how I'm going to get there I always go back to my marathon training I knew the end goal was to run 26.2 miles and every week I planned the you know I had a 16 week plan to follow and every week I did it it, and every week I had the accomplishment and then and the journey and the pain and the blisters and the sports massages they were worse than the runs (laughs) and the and and the the, the eating and the washing the the eating was the good bit because I could do a 13 mile run a 13 mile run on a Sunday morning which was a short run (laughs) and then go home and have a sausage sandwich and not worry about it yeah yeah I used to do that. I used to think, okay, how many calorie, calories have I burnt off? Okay, what what equates to that? <laughs> Two cakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally the wrong method. I, I never lost. I don't think I lost any weight when I was training. <laughs> I certainly didn't. Um, <laughs> but it is that is the uh, it is it's helped me in every aspect of my life. Um, yeah. That the journey, which is more painful than the actual marathon itself, the realizing that you can accomplish absolutely anything. When I first started running, I did a 5k and my six year old brother at the time beat me. Um, <laughs> and I mean, he still beats me today. He does a 5k in like 18 minutes or something. Oh um, my word. And he's 11 or 12 now he won't listen to this so it doesn't matter but um (laughs) but the and I said I swore I will never run a marathon and then as I've got further the achievement and the competition kind of got the better of me and I was like yeah okay in fact I was actually drunk when I uh, put my name into the ballot for the (laughs) London marathon and then six months later I found out oh my gosh (laughs) that is karma I know, I know, it's so funny. but the but the journey that you go on is, is a massive journey of self-discovery um, it is and I trained I trained with a friend of mine well we knew we were going to do it together because we we signed up for Edinburgh and then we had actually signed up for New York wow. in the same year but before I'd run a marathon so I'd signed up for my second one before I'd and I'm Don't glad run. I did because actually I would never have signed up for one after Edinburgh um you know after running it and I think what is important is although we were training together is to know that if your body was sick or couldn't make it or had had something else on that you were actually still dedicated enough to just get out there and do your long runs because you know that yourself is going to get you past that finish line you know yeah Yeah, nobody else you know like it when people say, oh, but my partner doesn't like me doing my routine or, you know, I read something the other day, she says, what am I going to do? Because my partner doesn't like me doing early starts in the morning or keeping fit. And it's very much your own journey. Mm. You know, it is your own journey. And you can't say, well, I didn't do that because X, Y, and Z. Or Yeah. You just kick yourself. Yeah. Just yeah. kick yourself. What year did you do Edinburgh? I did them both in 2016. Did you? Yeah, and then New York in the November. New York, that sounds amazing. I did 
Edinburgh in 2018. Um, I'd love to do New York, but... Oh, New York is, it's very, Edinburgh was so straight and boring and it's enough to put off people marathoning for life, I think. I was so quick. I just wanted to get it over. (laughs) And New York was like a street party, a 26 mile street party. It was the best thing I've ever done. It was crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. Fabulous. Well, there you go. There's some parting advice for everyone. Book yourself (laughs) in for a marathon. Sign up. Sign up. (laughs) I um I got into the I got into London on a on ballot again. So I I had to defer two years ago because I was ill. Last year I was obviously cancelled anyway. There was no way I was running a virtual uh, virtual marathon um, in October. So I'm supposed to be running it again in in this October if it can go ahead. Um, So we shall see. I have I've I've started my training early because last year I I think I ran 200 miles in the whole year, Um, whereas marathon training I'm running 50 miles a week. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I've started training early. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been fantastic. And I think uh, lots of really practical advice that people can get their teeth stuck into here. Oh, um, thank you so much. Thank no, you. no, seriously, thank you. And I can't wait to get further along in your book. It's just, yeah, it's just like I'm sat having a chat with you on my sofa. I love it. So thank you oh, so much. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So when are you signing up for your first or next marathon? In terms of having a vision or end result in mind, following a plan to reach that and having faith in yourself, marathons are a massive lesson in goal setting and achievement. I love how down to earth Jo is despite her wildly successful kitchen table business as she calls it. She really wants to see others succeed and create their own legacy and isn't that what legacy is all about? Helping others. It's so inspiring to listen to and I highly recommend you all pick up a copy of her book. Jo is living a really fulfilling life in my eyes, which certainly encourages others to do the same. For me, I think this is a massive part of leaving a legacy. It isn't all about having wild success in business, but it's about doing the crazy challenges that help you grow as a person, constantly learning and encouraging others to better their own lives. Sometimes this can get lost in the day-to-day life, I guess. And how beautiful is Jo's story about the three heart diamonds that her husband brought back from South Africa. And I love that her friend helped create something so special so that she could wear them. Bespoke jewellery design really allows you to create something totally unique that maybe at first you can't envisage how it will work. Believe me, there is almost always a way. Jo also mentioned she has some jewellery from when she was younger that may need remodelling. She doesn't have great Aunt Agatha's rings, but she has gifts from when she was 18 that she just doesn't wear anymore. Jewellery, in my eyes, is there to be worn because it helps you tell your stories and connect with your memories. If, like Jo, you're considering having some jewellery remodelled that you haven't worn for years, then you can download my brochure from the website or connect with me on Instagram where you can see previous jewellery redesigns that I've worked on. The links to Jo's social media and my own are in the show notes, so please go and follow her. You can also pick up a copy of the book through the links. I really hope that you've taken value from this podcast and please let me know when you sign up for that marathon.